This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 392. We recorded on March 23rd, 2016. I'm Ryan Schrupp. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmontano. We're back. Alan doesn't have to sit at the computer and hit the buttons anymore or use the mouse. he did very bad button hitting. Did he do bad button hitting? Hey, some of those I'm buttons. I'm going to do, go to Sebastian, goes to Josh. <laughs> well, there's a bug in Ken's switcher, so, you know. I can't well, make it perfect bug. or else I'll replace myself. That's true. It's an intentional bug. Uh, it's a job security bug. Right, Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Or you could just remember to not hit that button anymore, which is what I, I had to did click the mouse for Sebastian. Oh, you to... couldn't hit Sebastian at all with a button? No, there was no Sebastian button. I think I you're think wrong. there was. The I Sebastian... think if you kept going. No. Then, just, like, let's two see. More buttons Sebastian down. was. Sebastian button Here. was yeah. Josh. Hey, no guess button. what? I just hit the Sebastian button. I hit every oh, button on that. No. And it didn't work. Sebastian, Josh Terry. I didn't, I didn't change anything. <laughs> He changed. He nothing. couldn't find the power cord either, Ken. It's yeah, fine. I know. It's those damn hidden buttons. It's fine. He couldn't find the power cord that is literally still right here. Right there. Right there. Mm-hmm. It's even got an orange light. Like, the adapter is plugged into an orange light. Yeah, it's like directing my attention. I mean, the buttons are numbered 1, 2, 3, 3, 4, 5, 6. What's 1, 2, 3, 3, 4, 5, 6. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So if you're in Leap. Who's world, number 3? It works. Josh. So he's just more important. Yeah, I'm number three twice. Yeah, you get you get double the pushes. Mm-hmm. I'm That's like gonna hurt after a while, if you know what I mean. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, at pcper.com/live. Uh, you can come join in the fun about our stuttery mess at the beginning of the show that we fixed because of software changes, whatever, whatever. Are we, we are recording in both locations here still, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, if you need a gentle reminder about our live streams, we encourage you to go to pcpercom slash subscribe, sign up for this mailing list. You get this wonderful webpage right here that basically shows you, uh, well, our webpage, and then it asks for your name and your email address, and you give us those two things, and then we email you when we do live streams like this one. Or maybe we'll email you when we do a 12-hour live stream, which we did a couple of weeks ago. Was it really only a couple weeks ago? It's all a blur. It feels like it's been longer than that. we got to play Risk again soon, though. We have to play have and to complete win. a game of Risk. I have to win. I have to You're, start early. Just yeah. wait until you get Risk VR. Ooh. I'd be mm. super into That'd be that. pretty good. You can reach down to the game board and... Like grab the pieces? You really just want you Risk AR, the table. right? Yeah. yeah, then you can flip the yeah. table. You really just want Risk AR, though. Right, you don't need to be. That's true. You want it like I'll cover cool. this whole table. That'd be cool if it was well, like it'd be a exciting really... for us to watch a blank f- risk map with <laughs> stream, nothing going on, but you guys waving at it. Well, no, risk AR would be cool if the map was like that map from the the yeah. game we were playing because yeah. that was a cool looking risk map, mm-hmm. right? Take that, put that on the table, and then yeah. the AR would be all the pieces and the yeah. Colors. But he's something if we wanted to stream it out. They couldn't see anything. They just you see need a bunch a special of people, AR, just a bunch of trackers. Yeah, AR an AR camera. Yeah. We can do that. Perspective cool. coming yeah. to you live in VR. You just need the goggles and two sources for video. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out and touch our faces. Uh, don't do that, please. Yeah. Please um, if you want to support wonderful ideas like uh, playing Risk on a live stream, whether it be an AR, VR, or IRL, uh, you can do so. 
It can help support us doing fun, dumb crap like that if you support our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash pcper. Uh, it is a way for our viewers, our readers, our listeners to directly contribute to us, um, help influence what we do, um, get us to that next goal. The next goal is when we start to get into the real stuff here, guys. So we do our we add our weekly mailbag show to the list. I forgot that I got to mark that one out there. We did cross that one. You got a bit of a preview of that last week. I assume I didn't really listen to the whole podcast. Yeah, at the end of it, apparently you guys talked for like nine hours. We did. After the podcast. And a lot of that, that's what we're trying to do is just like some more like, hey, you got questions? Ask us. We may not know the answers necessarily, but we'll try to. Uh, we can just have interesting conversations. They don't have to be all technical questions. Maybe they're fun questions as well. Uh, but we, we, there's a lot of cool stuff we want to do like that. And so we want to be able to do that directly through you guys. And, and so if, if you support us, we appreciate it. Again, patreon.com slash pcper um, to, to donate. Have a, a recurring monthly contribution, if you will, to our team. Now, let's get into the stuff that you are helping support, the content. First up, uh, Nan. Hey, you know, one, one real quick thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, if... if- I was throwing this out earlier today, and if you're in Colorado, because I know nobody from Wyoming listens to this, but if you're in Colorado, uh, maybe have up next month. It'll be springtime. Go up to Fort Collins. Grab a beverage at like Odell Brewery. Don't you always tell me to go play golf at Fort Collins? Uh, They've got some golf courses there. No, you're just saying Wyoming in general. Maybe that's that's where you were telling me to go before. That would be Steam. awesome. Like that's something we never we haven't really done here either that we should do. But again, it, it's the same kind of question I have there is how many people are going to come in to that show up? You know, I've met some. I've met enough people in my travels. Like when I went to Oklahoma City, and mm-hmm. two people, you know, saw me and were like, "Hey, I you know listen to the podcast, watch the show, do whatever." Um, it might be a decent idea with all of these gadgets we're getting in yeah. to do something. Yeah, we VR could do stuff. that with the VR stuff. Yeah. We might be able to do something like that. Because that's definitely but, something But, like, people. I would love for that to, to be a thing that occurs. You know, Josh yeah. has some people out in Wyoming. And the phone Jeremy call. gets the phone calls in. Mm. I know it's not you, Jeremy. Ain't me. <laughs> Nobody calls Jeremy. No. Nope. Uh, Jeremy does that up in Vancouver. Whoever lives in Kalamazoo for some reason can come visit Sebastian. Who would? Who? Uh, nobody. I mean, Michigan, that's right? I mean, you know? No. No. All right. It's it's a good idea. Uh, I think, uh, Josh, we should pursue that. We should we should think about yeah. this more. Maybe um, present a formal presentation next week's on next week's show. Perhaps, but you know what? If if somebody is in Colorado, leave a message on YouTube or email us. Yeah, let us know, and we can start getting some figures in our head. Comma, comma, uh, comment there on the post. Yeah. At at uh, at us on Twitter, so to speak. At, so, uh, at us, you can at us on Twitter. Uh, all right, so let's get into the content here. Uh, we're going to talk with Alan about VNAND showdowns, which sounds very exciting. It's okay. a showdown. Yeah. Is it like a dance-off? Is it a pants-off dance-off? No. Oh, Although okay. I did disassemble these. So <laughs> so it's like it's like a, a SSD off, pants pants off, off, dance-off. Pants-off dance-off. I gotcha. Yes. So what are we looking at here? So this is you labeled this 850 Evo V1 and V2 compared. What are the differences that we're actually looking at here? Okay, so other uh, SSD makers in the past have made different, like updated a product line with, say, different flash or something like... And most of the time they do it like silently 
and then they're doing it to try to be like less expensive for production of the drive so they're actually like cutting more corners later on like this has happened a few times okay um and it usually blows up in their face because you know they're trying to put less expensive stuff in there it doesn't perform as well people get their hands on the newer one go hey rabble rabble like this doesn't go as fast as the older one like, that's sure. a bad thing right yeah we've seen um, that in the past so i believe samsung was trying to head off at the pass any possibility of that happening with the version two of the evo because they're not going to make a new model they're just gonna, gonna they're just gonna do it it's silently like, put new flash in it and yes you're gonna buy one one day and it'll be that version. it'll just be the newer version gotcha right um and the idea is they're trying to transition from 32 layer which is technically v2 uh, VNAND because there was 24 layer first that nobody could get in a consumer product. Right. So they went from 32 layer to 48 layer, which is technically V3. <laughs> okay. So there's a V3 sure. flash and a V2 drive. Anyway. Um, so uh, we wanted to, you know, just kind of do a reality check, make sure that this flash for some reason isn't causing things to be slower. Um, because you, you would have half as many 48 layer dies. Right in an Evo as you would 32-layer dies. Even though it's not double the layers... They also made they also made it a little bit... Okay. Like, bigger footprint. So the capacity the is... Yeah, so the capacity double. is okay. higher, right? Um, so, uh, with that, we ran through some tests, and then, like, on the second page, you see we just kind of did some... Well, first, the disassembly stuff, which you'll notice it's pretty easy to tell which drive has the 48 layers because it has half the number of packages sure. on it. Um, so that's a one terabyte drive on the right side of those pictures. Got two on the front, two on the back. Two yep. on the front, two on okay. the back. Yeah. Um, and uh, so those packages aren't even the maximum they could stack. Oh, really? Like with okay. the T3, there were 16 dies in a package to get two terabytes in four packages. This drive also has four packages, half the capacity. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, potentially they could also make a two terabyte. You know, V2. I would assume Evo. they would eventually. It would probably have the same thing, probably yeah. just stacked more, in, you know, within each package. So um, you, you did like the quick performance. D- yeah, look just here. the simple stuff. Addo, pretty much identical. Uh, like copies, like, you know, just putting stuff on the SSDs, yep. right? Uh, like sequential transfers is the first couple of pictures. And it's literally, it's like the same number of 435 like, yeah, 435 it's like exactly the same 435 435 gotcha. and then and then the second two was when i was preconditioning the drive with 4k random so that's when you've kind of scrambled up the the, the lookup table as much as you you can yeah but like during that preconditioning i also took another couple of screenshots oh there. this was during that yeah, yeah okay, that was okay. during that and even that was virtually the same speed 350 yeah gotcha. um so uh, you know, as far as performance, it's pretty much nothing anybody's going to see, probably in practical use, sure. right? But then I want to dig a little bit deeper, and we do have a tool now that can give us a little bit more of a zoom in on exactly how long IOs are taking and stuff. All right, and which one of these graphs do I want to detail? The second one? So the second one is just a zoom in of the first one, because the first one's the whole right. range. Um, so on that first one, uh, it's a little bit cryptic, but I talk people through on the on the text that goes along with it in the article. But basically, that blue line at the very front... Mm-hmm. The light blue. Yeah, the light blue, that's the new Evo at Q-depth of 1. So and, it's actually a little bit faster. And it's, it's, so it's less latency, right, per I.O. Not only that, but if you compare it to the two lines that are, like, kind of mashed over each other there, the yep. orange the and the, and and the, the light white gray. gray. Yep. Yeah, that's actually the previous generation Evo and the Pro. 
I put pro results in here. Mm-hmm. So a TLC drive is outperforming the MLC, the prior at MLC single, pro drive. At Q-Depth 1. At yep. Q-Depth 1. Okay. And then the yellow line is even further ahead of the green and blue there. Right. And that's Q-Depth 2. Hmm. Okay. So the yellow being the new Evo, and then the other two being the... the oh, pro. I see. These aren't all QD1. They're QD2, 4, Yeah, that's that's well. kind of a, a, a sweep of, gotcha. of Q-Depths there. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, and then if you go back to the main article page... Um, Oops. There was too much overlap in the rights. Um, there it is. There was too much overlap in the rights, so I had to spread them out for like a Q depth for each uh, each chart. Right. But the gist of it was the same. You basically had the new Evo and the Pro matched almost identically in performance. Right. And then the older Evo a little bit slower. Hmm. Right. So it's okay. like that that performance gap you used to have between Evo and Pro kind of goes away. And then I wonder what's going to happen if they later on. You know, the 48 layer would presumably go into the Pro as well. Right. And maybe that would make it even a little bit faster than hmm. that. Okay. Um, but again, these are these are relatively small changes. Um, it You know, it's the chances of that being something that you would necessarily feel. I mean, we're talking like if you had a system boot and it loaded a whole bunch of stuff all at the same time, the new one might go like a quarter second or a half a second faster, like in total. You know, you're not talking about a huge change. But the the main point to take home here is that nobody can say that that drive is slower. Right. Like that they're getting anything less than they used to. And that's what you, we would expect people to complain about and so that they can't, that's actually good. Right, right. And we just wanted to make absolutely sure. So we're yeah. good there. Cool. Yep. So we don't really, there's no There's no model number difference. There's no indication of which one you're getting. Nope. Is there any out, when you look at the drive itself, can you tell? Or do you have to take it apart? No, it's so? identical on the outside. Like, um, yeah, okay. The, uh, actually... <laughs> The I'm trying to think of where's that last picture I had. Uh, Which one? If, if you zoom in on the introduction picture, okay. Uh, there's like a digit that's different. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna be able to get that detail on here. So uh, it is. Oh, you can't. You can't see that. Yeah. Not on this. Oh. Yeah, I'm, so there there is some small. There is a very small difference in like, enough. yeah, in like the uh, like the part number or the, not even yeah. the part number. It's like part of the serial number. It's oh yeah, uh, it's um. It's not important if it's taking this long. No, it's not. It's taking too long. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so check that out. We've got the full story up on PCPro.com if you want to see the benchmarks and get into more detail about what the, the latency percentile stuff we were talking about before is. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the magical world of virtual reality. Ooh. This is the future of everything. I, by this time next year, you will be watching our podcast in virtual reality. <laughs> Who says we're not already? Maybe There's this actually is a private stream only for like the super Patreons. Yeah, super Patreon. Uh, yeah. That they can watch it in VR. The secret is, is they're just, it's actually just a flat screen and a VR headset. Uh, but yeah. pretty soon you'll be able to, like, you can look around anywhere and see the darkness of the other sides of the office that aren't being used. The during, you want to see the clutter? There. The hey, empty boxes <laughs> and the clutter. It's so boring back there. Uh, actually, they're full boxes of stuff that we need I to I think they'll be surprised by how small the office actually is. Or at least how small it feels with all the crap in it. Yeah, yeah well, that's for sure. Every once in a while, like... Well, it's crazy. Three or four days every six months, it gets cleaned out. Like yeah. before we did the 12 hour live stream, it was pretty much cleared out. Uh, and then. But you know how dystopian would it be when Sebastian shows up in his own little private little set, but then they turn their head 15 degrees and he's right there? <laughs> That's right. The whole time. You never knew it. 
You never knew it. He's actually against that wall right there. Um, so Ken and I were at GDC last week. That's why we weren't on the podcast. We saw a bunch of VR stuff. Uh, hopefully you went to the website and saw our video where we kind of discussed some of the VR experiences we had. Since we posted that video, I think we did a couple of other ones, right? We went to go see uh, Eagles, Eagles Flight. Eagle Flight. Yeah. That was really cool. That was a, It's an Ubisoft game where you are an eagle. And the idea is very simple. You fly where you're looking, but you're like going through a, a stylized dystopian Paris where like all the people are gone for some reason. It's like a bunch of overgrowth and just overgrowth is like around. it's taking oh, over okay. the city and stuff. Right. And um, uh, it was really cool. Like at first I was like very timid, you know, flying kind of slowly. But there's like literally like two buttons, one for speed up, one for slow down, and then there's one for your your, your call. Your call, call call. It's like an attack. It's like when you get and, into like and, missions and what and you do you fight. call? Other eagles. Oh, you yeah. Fight, you oh, fight. So there's, there's like dog things. fighting. There's like dog fighting with eagles. <laughs> Eagle dog fighting. And right. it is like a VR. sonic wave that comes out of you that, like, it's funny, it kind of like just poofed the eagle into a bunch of feathers when you did it. <laughs> it's a pretty great animal. It was actually, it made me feel a little bad about it. I'm not going to. that X Men character that does that? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Banshee. Yeah. Uh, interestingly right. enough, um, my most expensive comic book, as I have the first appearance of Banshee. I don't know why that's important right now. Um, <laughs> it's but we, we played that. It was really cool once I started to speed up and, like, fly through the trees. Like, the the branches and stuff are kind yeah. of built and separated in a way that you can fly through them underneath. Like, go through streets and mm-hmm. up over. But the only thing I was disappointed is I couldn't get to the Eiffel Tower. It was, like, yeah. outside the bounds of the it's demo. pretty limited it demo. Was like, it was, like, when you were flying towards it. Uh, what is it? Like, Battlefield, when, it's your, when you're leaving the combat yeah. area. Where it's like it starts a countdown timer, so if you don't fly your eagle ass back the other way, I guess you just die. I don't know. It, it was funny after Ryan watching Ryan play it first, then he was like, then he was timid, and then he started like getting into it and swooping and stuff. Like the first thing I did when I got in after watching it was like, just point all the way up. Then dive down like right in between the trees in the city, yeah. <laughs> like right into the buildings. I don't think we had we had done the uh, Vive demos yet either. Nope. Right. So we actually got to go uh, to Valve's booth and we did the uh, Lucasfilm uh, Sands of Tatooine uh, demo experiment or whatever, like that. where like you're standing in, in in Tatooine, the Millennium Falcon comes and lands next to you. Something happens. You have to repair a piece of it. R two D two is there. He gives huh. you a lightsaber, and you use one of the Vive controllers. As a lightsaber. As a lightsaber, you hold it with two hands, and you're blocking laser beams, and you're trying to bounce them back into the stormtroopers and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. It was a little slowly paced. A little short. A uh, little short, but it was like it was just like a here's a, an experiment that Lucas uh, Lucasfilm Lucas Arts I don't know which ILM. one ILM was working on. Uh, and then they also had what else did they have there? Uh, the, the, I played lab. The, the lab, which is like their mini game collection type thing that's going to come out when the uh, the Vive Pre comes out. Or just the Vive, and it had like an archery game where you're using the two controllers to aim and stuff like that. And it was it, it had a, some some really cool stuff in it too. So I'm super excited uh, about it. Um, so we've, we've talked about a lot that so far. We'll have starting next week, like March 28th, is when the first uh, Oculus Rifts show up. Yeah, which is this coming Monday. Uh, and supposedly I'm supposed to have mine on Monday since I was one of the Kickstarter backers. So we'll have it here in the office on Monday. All right. Boy, Product Data is going to tank on Monday. Probably. Yeah. No <laughs> if we don't, well, we'll need a, a bucket. 
Yeah, maybe. yeah. Get, yeah. get things maybe ready for people who are interested. Ginger ale and crackers. Right. Ginger ale crackers, yeah. <laughs> Dramamine. Uh, so yeah. In preparation for that, we started doing some VR build guides. Um, we have three of them planned, a $900, a $1,500, and a $2,500. Uh, so far, we have launched the $900 and the $1,500, $2,500 coming out on Friday. So the idea is pretty simple, right? So we wanted to build some systems, do some guides, uh, and actually get in the hardware and build these systems based on these price points because we wanted to, when we get the hardware in, to hook it all up to it yeah. and actually see what the experience is like. Now, I've been working with um, uh, Mystery Person on Mystery Project where we've been able to play around with a lot of this stuff already. Mm-hmm. And the truth is the $900 VR build that we're showing you here works really, really well, like perfectly with all the VR games we've tried so far. I mean, it's still a pretty beefy. Like what, it is. What GPU you got So the, the $900 build... Uh, is a Core i5-6500 Skylake processor and a GTX 970 Superclock from EVGA. Okay. Then an H170 motherboard, 8 gigs of RAM, 250 gig Evo SSD, uh, you know, th- that type of stuff. Corsair Spec 01 uh, chassis, 939 bucks as I spec'd it out uh, when I actually wrote that piece. And that kind of meets the minimum specs or the recommended specs from Oculus and HTC for their head units. Um, and it was very obvious after meeting with all the developers at GDC and the hardware guys at GDC that all of those companies really targeted this specific configuration of system, right? Mm-hmm. A 970 and a quad-core processor um, for their for their stuff. So a lot of games in VR aren't going to have image quality settings when they first come out. Okay. Uh, and a lot of that is because they're everybody's so touchy about people having a bad first experience with VR. Yeah, they don't want people to just crank everything up. Right, and, and that can happen, right? If you're playing Eve Valkyrie or something like that and, and you turn stuff up too high on this hardware, you can drop Oopsie. your frame rate dramatically, have a lot of judder and stutter, and it's... And then it does make uh, you nauseous. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it was like instantaneous. Like as soon as it happens, you go, oh, no, 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 thank you, done. Yeah. Uh, and you can turn stuff back to what is, is you know, default out of the box recommended for that hardware. Um so we did that nine hundred build, uh, the nine hundred dollar build. The nine hundred dollar price point is interesting because we picked not just a randomly picking a nine hundred dollar price, but if you remember way way back, Palmer Lucky said you'd be able to get into uh, a Rift system for about fifteen hundred bucks, and that's when people first thought, oh my god, the Rift is going to be fifteen hundred dollars. But instead, what he meant was the Rift plus a PC that runs the Rift will be about fifteen hundred bucks. So because the Rift is six hundred dollars. We said, okay, that gives us a $900 budget. Yeah. Let's build a computer on that. And it works. And right. it works. I mean, and essentially, this is the machine that we saw all the Oculus demos on at Yeah, at the Oculus at Dev Days at GDC. Huh. They were only running 970 machines, i5 970 machines. They're only running i 970s because they wanted to prove to the media that like you don't have to have a $2,000 PC to do this. Right. Because that's a lot of the assumptions. And, and, and I saw a lot of tweets and people talking about the fact that, oh, PSVR is such a better deal because you need a $2,000 computer to run any of this. And that's just, it's just not the case. Um, we ran uh, the Steam VR performance test on this uh, configuration that we built. We got a score of 7.1, which is rated at high. And if you look here on the spectrum, you can see that it's in the green for ready. Okay, can we show this real fast? Yeah. It's in the green for ready, almost halfway across. So it's definitely in the area of being a high-quality VR experience. Right, and obviously with the Oculus, you get all these check marks that say yes, 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 yes. So you know, less useful, but but still there. Uh, and the build process was pretty good. It's a, it's a decent case. 
you know, the hardware is fine uh, in terms of like putting it all together, no issues. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a, you know, you got your SSD, you got your hard drive in there, all in that price configuration. Um, everybody's going to have, you know, different opinions. If you wanted to go AMD, you can look at the, what that's, that's the 390 price range, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for that, which is also the minimum spec from uh, both of those guys. So there's that option. And then uh, if you have a little bit more money, um, we went up to the $1,500 bill, which now we're just kind of randomly picking numbers, right? And 1500 seemed like a good round uh, option for you there. And in this one, um, we made changes in some pretty interesting spots, right? So we increased the GPU performance. We increased the CPU performance. Uh, and we increased memory and we increased SSD. We actually do a lot of stuff here. So we get... Uh, we go to a 6700K, which is a quad-core hyper-threaded processor. Um, we went to 16 gigs of memory. 16 gigs of uh, DDR4-3000, by the way, is only $79 in this system, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty impressive. Um, can we show this table here, Ken? Uh, the GTX 980 is uh, it's expensive part, but you know it's a big jump in performance. I'd say like 25% over the 970. We doubled the SSD capacity to 500 gigs. Um, and uh, uh, bump up the power supply a little bit to make room for that uh, graphics card, and then go to a, a different fractal, a different case, a fractal, def- fractal design define S window. Total price fifteen eighty nine, and, and and this system is obviously going to be higher performance in all areas. Uh, if the nine seventy ran it, obviously the nine eighty in company is going to run it, uh, but it's going to give you a little bit more headroom, right? So uh, I believe. This is let's see, yeah. So it gets a score on the VR Steam VR performance test of eight point eight, listed at very high. You can see where its little marker comes in, almost at the far mm. edge of the spectrum there. So almost as high as it as it kind of rates there. Uh, the system, I really like this case. It's really the first time I've I've used this case. It came recommended by Sebastian. The building building in it was really nice. It it makes. Uh, the cable clutter pretty much non-existent, uh, and kind of handling all of the uh, the storage stuff on the back, hard drive and SSD mounting on the back side is pretty nice. No optical drive base though, so keep that in mind, Josh, when you go looking mm, at the cases. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to use your external external, external drives for all. Uh, that. I have to use external for a lot of things. I don't know what that means. He likes plugging things into things. So I'm just gonna go, uh, and so we'll have the $2,500 build coming out on Friday. Uh, as you listen to this, so that that'll be up soon. And like I said, um, there's a whole bunch of different options here. Like uh, all these types of stories, always have comments about. Well, here's my build out, and that's totally cool. Like share your build ideas uh, with people. And some people are saying, hey, you know, save 50 bucks on a motherboard, go with a non-hyperthreaded processor, uh, do something else on your SSD, and maybe you can get four to nine eighty Ti in this budget. And you could do that too. Um, but this was kind of what I thought was a good kind of overall balance to things. So. Um, Anybody, any of you guys, comments on either of these builds? Can't wait to play Eve Valkyrie on something. Yeah, I know. You don't care what system it is. So, Alan hasn't tried any of this modern stuff, so it'll be really interesting on Monday. Did you even try any of the VR? I think you tried a DK2. I played around with the, yeah, the development kit with, like, the one with the few demos with, like, the, that freaking silly ride on the... That was a long time ago. Okay. That was an awful awful demo. No, the one on the rotating Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had the DK2 hooked up at some point when he was here. Yeah. Okay. But I only played around there for like maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. It's it's totally different now. Huh. It really is. It's probably going to make me want to buy it. Well, well I got good news. You can't get it until July anyway, so no. it doesn't matter. That's Dang. true. That's true. <laughs> that does that will help you. Okay. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, let's take a quick break here, guys. We're going to thank today's uh, ep- the ep- today's podcast sponsor, today's episode sponsor. Yeah, I guess that's a correct sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Braintree Payments. Uh, by next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay. It's probably not going to be rocks, guys. It's probably going to be electronic-based. Just to just to let you know, maybe it will be the next Bitcoin. It could be the next Apple Pay, or maybe even a combination of both. Fortunately, fortunately for you guys, Braintree's full stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds. So you can adapt easily to it as well. Except anything from pounds to PayPal. I like that actually. <laughs> from pounds to PayPal to that next big innovation from any device with just one integration. And when that new payment method comes out, all you have to do is update a few lines of code. No late nights, no complicated recoding, no stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. You can learn more about this, guys, at braintreepayments.com slash pcper, braintreepayments.com slash pcper. You know, essentially what Braintree is, it's simple, secure payments, code you can integrate into your app or website very quickly, very easily. If you don't have time, you can basically call them and they'll walk you through it or actually do the integration for you. Uh, their code supports Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients, SDKs for .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, and Ruby. And elegant code with clear documentation, unlike the stuff that Alan writes. So, BraintreePayments.com slash PCPer to get your details on that. And we thank Braintree for their support of the PC Perspective Podcast. And after talking about Braintrees, let's talk about hard drives. I don't... Sorry, I didn't really That's have one. That's a bad segue. Uh, Western Digital Red, 8 terabytes. So we were up to six terabytes before today. We were. Right. And now we're up to eight terabytes. But this is not just a capacity increase. This is actually the first appearance of what in a consumer drive? Helio seal. Helio seal. That sounds like a made up thing. It's not. It's a way to seal in helium. <laughs> it's not a really ta- high talking seal? <laughs> yes. Helio seal. Holier than thou seal. Hel- no. Helio. Um, okay. Helio seal. Uh, so. And uh, as you can tell from looking at the pictures and uh, I think page two, uh, okay. it's pretty much... Well, let's see. Is there anything we're skipping over on page one? Not really. No. Um, you look on page two, it pretty much looks like it's the same kind of Helioseal thing as the HGST. But to be fair, we've never talked about that before. Uh, well, we've talked about it. We've never reviewed it. Yeah, yeah we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't a review them. of it, right? Yeah, so we, we didn't have them in front of us. In this right? photo, the picture on the left is a six terabyte red. A yep. known quantity drive. On yep. the right is the HGST helium-filled 8-terabyte drive. Correct. And in the middle is the Western Digital 8-terabyte red helium-filled And it, it's almost like you borrowed the label from the red and stuck it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but look at the casing yeah, the, the housing on the right. Yes, the housing looks identical. And then if you flip over to the back, oh. it's the PCB looks the same. And then if you take the PCBs off... The chips on the PCB look the same, mm. and you know it's basically. I, I'm sensing some, some real, uh, real uh, merge here. Yeah, there's so there's some, some clues. So the idea here is that uh, the West, as you might know, Western Digital basically is like merged or acquired HGST, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they're now to the point in their acquisition thing because there's like regulations they've been following right because this happened a couple of years ago yeah but they're now to the point where they're allowed to merge their technologies their ip and whatnot their ip yeah. yeah um 
So it kind of makes sense, like, if there's already a part of your company that makes an 8-terabyte drive, even though it's an enterprise one, uh, maybe you can rework the firmware on it and do some tweaks sure. and make it more of a, you know, more of a consumer drive yeah. and try to see, you know, some ways to try to get the price down or whatnot, right? right? Um, and that's what they're doing here. So uh, where are you at on the pictures? I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm past all the Helio seals. It's past stuff. all the Helio seals. Okay. So, so um, the, the helium part is interesting because it does what? It reduces friction inside the device? Yeah, helium's less dense. Right, mm-hmm. uh, lets the heads fly a little closer to the disc, I believe. Okay. Uh, also, lets you like it's it's one of the things that lets you get to higher capacities easier. Okay, um, not necessarily a requirement. Much turbulence around the the head readers, so they can you know yep. be more accurate. Yep, air's not as dense, so you're not worried that worried about turbulence. Not worried about heads bouncing off of the platters. As Does that much. mean you can put put the bits closer together because you have better? Yeah, that's, that's uh, accuracy at the, at the head. Yeah, reading, I mean right? a- anything that can contribute to better accuracy translates to higher capacity okay. in the end, right? Um, all right, so uh, looking at like the results here, yeah, uh, what well, we got performance wise, it, pretty much it's no real surprises. Like if you look at you know four terabytes versus six versus eight for the red series, it's pretty much a linear kind of jumping up at the yeah. same rate. Yeah, I mean you know sequential transfers, you know, seems to pretty much climb like as you might expect. So mm-hmm. it's nothing uh, groundbreaking, right? Sure. Um, uh, realize this is spinning at fifty four hundred RPM, which all reds spin at, right? Uh, whereas the HE eight spins at seventy two hundred RPM. The Enterprise version. The Enterprise of this, drive, yes. right? Which the, the the original version of of what this okay. is now, right? Um, on the file copy test, we saw some uh, kind of an added bonus. This this drive has 128 meg of cache, which is twice as much as the previous Reds, right? And I think between that and just some of the firmware stuff that's probably holding over from uh, the HE8, yeah, uh, significant changes. Though. Yeah, there's a couple of significant changes for like the larger. Yeah, ten no. out of thousand ten files at a gig, for example, is showing 134 seconds for yep. the file copy instead of 217 seconds. Yes, yeah. and you'll notice that copy. that 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 time is actually almost as fast as the uh, those two drives there that are the lowest, like the lowest time, best the performing. The WD Red Pro. That's the Red Pro the and the WD Black. WD Black. Both of which spin at 7200 RPM. Okay. So, um, you know, th- we we saw higher this density, a lot. better cache equates to better performance in this case. Yeah, interestingly. Yeah, we, we saw this a lot where, you know, you might expect, oh, it's spinning, you know, 33% slower. Everything's probably going to be, like, slower than you might expect, you know, for right. compared to 72. But uh, because of, like, I think the firmware tuning and the way that they're handling their cache, it's kind of catching up a lot. Now I just um, would like to know if we can overclock the RPMs. Uh, you can't. More on that in a few minutes, actually. Is there a, is there a motherboard option to uh, no. higher RPM? No, is there's not a higher no. RPM the oh, hard drive okay. option. So you can open it up and spin it faster with your finger. Yeah, uh, you just like you just yeah. it's like you know just keep it going, spinning plates. Um, literally, I guess. So if you look at the iometer stuff, uh, probably like just the first or the second. Like, yep. Um, You'll notice that that bright white line there, kind of right in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the new drive. It's, it's the top of all of the 5400 RPM spinning drives in that in those iometer results. And in some cases, it gets pretty close to the, the dark red line, which is the four terabyte black. Mm-hmm. So a little bit lower platter density, right? And it's Quite a bit. but it's still spinning faster. Yeah. Uh, and yet it's still getting caught up to by a 5400 RPM drive. So pretty cool there. Yeah. Um, Next is a uh, latency percentile. So just go to the next page. Um, 
So this is interesting. It's the first time we're doing like a close look using latency, percent, latency percentile results of a hard drive. Yeah, we've done SSDs in the past. Yeah, we've done a bunch of SSDs. Um, so if you look at these, uh, the first one, yeah, you got the first one pulled up. So um, first one, I did the same kind of thing I did in that last review where I have QDepth 1 and like a few other QDepths, and I'm comparing uh, three different products. So I'm comparing the HE8, which is first in this because it's going to be the faster drive. It's basically the faster well, spinning the first version. first graph here? Yeah, first okay. graph. Right, so you got that blue line is the HE8, and then you got both of the versions of the reds kind of clustered right next to each okay, other. So the blue right? line is the enterprise drive. Yep, which is the, spinning the faster. gray-ish line and the orange yep. are kind of right next to yep, it. Okay. Yep. And then if you look at the yellow and then the next two after that, kind of the same deal. But if you look at where the load starts to increase on the drive and you get to QDEF8 and QDEF32, you'll notice that the line between the two kind of starts getting closer to the front runner. In other words, that, that line in the middle of each of those is the red, a terabyte red. Yeah. So as you put more load on it, presumably because of just, you know, more recent firmware tuning or maybe Western Digital put some secret sauce into the firmware or something like sure. that, they're managing to get it to operate closer to how the HE8 operates. Right. Which is cool, right? Um, so that's good. And that's for um, that's for random reads. Uh, random writes, it's actually something pretty interesting, as as you can see in the latency percentile results. Now, now where the reads would kind of stretch out as you went higher in the Q-depths because the yeah. the drive would rearrange more a deeper queue so you might have some IOs that just took longer because they got put at the end of the line, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's not the case for writes at all. If you notice all those yeah, lines all those lines on the writes are for the most part are the same kind of slope. They might just take longer, right? But all of the writes happen within the same kind of a narrow uh range of latencies and that's because uh, as i found out i even did some other testing on some other drives after i got curious uh, from doing this review any drives that have like any kind of a cache on them which is pretty much all hard drives when you write to them they do their own queue that's even deeper than what the pc can do so sat is limited to 32 on q depth right uh even with q depth 32 if you're doing random reads on a hard drive you'll you'll hear it really kind of like just it's very random how the head's moving around trying to get stuff. If you do the same QDF32 writes to that same drive, yeah. it is way quieter. Because what happens is all those IOs are being rearranged and sorted into a much bigger queue because they're going into the cache, the memory. On the hard drive itself. On the hard drive itself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hard drive itself can do like probably two or three times that queue depth. And if you have such a large queue, basically the head isn't even so much random anymore. It's basically just kind of stepping across and sweeping all from like front to back and then back to front across the drive. Like really, you know, like within like a second or two, every second or two, it kind of spans from the front of disk to the end of the disk and back, right? Gotcha. So the end result is that the latency that the host sees, that the PC sees, doesn't vary very much because all whatever is doing is writing to memory. Right. On the hard drive. Yeah. Uh, and then if the queue is full... The hard drive is responsible for actually getting it to the drive itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then the reason that those lines shift over to the right as you go, like deeper queue depths, is that it just takes... Like the queue is backed up. Now the host has to wait X amount of time every sure. time it wants to give it something. Yeah, yeah. Right. So kind of interesting there. Um, and we did see, uh, related to this graph specifically, at queue depth 1 and 2, we saw some improvements on the 8 terabyte red over the 6 terabyte red. So you that orange line versus the white line. 
mm-hmm. and then the uh, medium blue versus the green. Like it's it's kind of sloped a yeah. little bit. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a sloped line, but the key is that the top point of it is at the same place. In other words, the maximum latency it sees doesn't get any longer, hmm. but the shortest latency it sees at the bottom is actually shorter. So it's like able to, you know, the average would actually improve okay. in those cases. Um, and you can even tell by looking on the right on the legend, the actual IOs per second, which is part of the legend data, um, you can see that like the 8 terabyte red actually gets you know, like 20, 30 more IOs per second. It's funny seeing IOPS in hundreds. Yeah, it's only in hundreds. We're not, we're <laughs> not going to see a hundred. about hard drives yeah, instead of SSDs yeah, here. Yeah, you've got to realize that, but, that these are just hard disks, and, you know, they do have to move a thing to a place uh, every time it wants to get you something. <laughs> um, so interesting there. And then uh, we also did power consumption, which is at the bottom of that same page. Um, First, I just gave people what the you know actual direct measurements were, oh, right. but then I compensated for capacity, right? Um, which is important because if you actually care about doing math for this, you're probably using more. You know, you're probably filling an array. If you care about power consumption of a hard drive, it's because you are going to use many hard drives. You're trying to get a specific capacity. Well, well there's two cases. A person might just want to have one in their system and know how much power that thing takes, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, more likely you care about it if you're putting a bunch in an array. Um, and in almost every test, uh, the eight terabyte red beat out the other drives yeah. when you compensate for capacity. Um, so that's cool, yeah. right? Um, What's it cost? So I don't have a, an official MSRP. What was it selling for on this? I didn't ask. But for it was MSRP. selling for like I it, buy it, it was for? going for like thirty three thirty three on Amazon. Which was uh, 4.1 cents a gig. Yep. Now it's um, 3.39 on Amazon. Gotcha. Uh, is it 3.39 right yep. now? I'm looking at it right okay. now. Okay. Um, and boy, the, that radically changes the price per gig. <laughs> now, now, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to recalculate. It's a that. rounding error. Now it it matches <laughs> it matches the cost per gig of the six terabyte model okay. right now. Yeah. And I almost feel like that's just. Like, I think Amazon and other resellers right now just started off by doing cost-per-gig math, because I think it should have been cheaper. But I think they're going, well, we can't make it cheaper cost-per-gig than the 6-terabyte model, and we should just at least match it. And I think they just kind of raised their prices a little bit. It'll um, it'll shift every day for a while. Yeah, I think it's going to settle down to at least, or at most, 300, maybe even a little bit less. That'd be um, good. I think that's where it's going to end up settling out. So if if I'm buying uh, if I'm if I'm filling five drives for an array, sure, and I have, I guess a lot of money, because you need fifteen hundred bucks to fill. Well, it's a lot all of terabytes with these. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it just, just does it just make sense to get as many eight terabytes as you can now, as opposed to buying sixes or fours or twos? You you mean fewer eight terabytes that you would need more? To give you the same capacity in the array. Yes. Is that, what, is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, because like... It just gives you more head, more leeway it, in the future. Yeah, yeah. To it, get no, it does give you more headroom. Right. Well, I mean... Literally. It, it, well, that true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your data will tend to be closer to the front of the disk, which yeah. is faster, that okay. kind of thing. Not only that, but if you're going to add disks to the array later, do you want to worry about... It's like, it's like that RAM issue. You get a PC that has 8 gig of RAM, all the slots are filled. Right. You want 16 gig of RAM, what do you got to do? You're basically throwing away... RAM. You have to replace it, right? Right. Same applies with the hard drives. You want to, if you want to add later, you'd like to just be able to buy like another eight terabyte, right? And toss it in. Versus like, oh, I now I got sixes. So I even if to- you can't afford to do what this is, which is filling up eight drives <laughs> with eight terabyte 
hard drives, an eight bay Drobo. Yes. Let me show this photo here. Sixty four terabyte Drobo. Yeah, that's you. Maybe you get three of those to start out with. Yeah, and then you would have you, you even add with, even you with redundancy. Capacity. You know, with yeah. one drive redundancy. One drive, you're doing RAID five. Yep, and you got sixteen terabytes of storage. Yeah, you add another one. You're doing RAID five still. You get what? Twenty four. Twenty four. Oh, it's still only using one drive as parity? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. you could change it, but okay. with the Drobo, you can actually change it on the fly that's either right. way. That's true. That's right? true. Like, you can turn double parity on, and then, like, if you run out of space and you're like, well, I feel like maybe I'll risk it, you can turn double parity off, and you'll get another drive worth of space back. Yeah. But you can, that's not so with, like, regular So that's rate. cool. Yeah. That's, a, that's... Yeah, it's good stuff. I just like the idea that it's a sealed thing, right? These are hard drives that are sealed. You don't have to worry about the possibility of whatever can get into that. I don't know if I ever did care. If you were making a mineral oil PC, you could actually put this in there. Ken wanted to know if the helium comes out the SATA port. Does the helium come out the SATA port? I don't know. I can try to blow and see if I can. Just try to suck on it really hard and say something. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so interesting tangent to this <laughs> is um, maybe if you wanted one of these drives today, you can maybe get it a little bit cheaper. Uh, this actually came from like we, well, I was working on the review, and then you looked on. You're like, hey, they're like this other one's like two fifty. Yeah, the the you external know. variant, the eight terabyte MyBook. Yep, from Western Digital, the single disc MyBook. Yes, that is eight terabytes. It was two hundred forty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. It still is. So it's still, and it has one hard drive in it. Yeah. And Western Digital has not released an 8-terabyte consumer drive at all yet Correct. until this. So our assumption was, I, want, I guess, they, why would they put, why would they sell 8-terabyte Western Digital uh, Reds, bare bones, for 333 or 340 on Amazon, yeah. but they'd be $250 No, but you see what's wrong there, because they'd actually draw, buy the drives from Seagate. Yeah, and, and they put them in their Western Digital enclosures, and turns out that's not correct profit. either. We knew that that probably wouldn't be the case. <laughs> they're they're, they're the shingle case. drives. It's but, fine. So, so not only was there that, and you had this kind of price difference, but there was also the fact that like you found it on Best Buy for like in-store pickup. Ken, yeah, Ken found it at Best Buy. It was for yeah. sale today for two hundred fifty bucks for yeah. sale yesterday. And, for sale and, yesterday, and, and so like I'm about to hit publish on the review, and like there's already a thing with the dri- that potentially well, had the drive it in did. it. We think it did. You know, well, some Western Digital 8-terabyte drive, so, right? So Sebastian actually went to Best Buy and picked up a one of these units for us. Yep. Uh, and he started ripping it apart, as you do. Uh-huh. And this is what he found inside. This uh, oddly white-labeled WD-8-terabyte desktop drive for my book. Like, specifically branded for uh-huh. that device. You know, like, but see, then I, look- I printed that out on my laser uh, on my <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. for Western Digital. I've been doing that. Uh, but, uh, but then look at the model number of that drive i don't like like western digital hard drive model numbers are usually like wd and then two numbers that correspond to the capacity like eight zero for this one for the eight terabyte right so here's so there's a there is a model number on that and it is not wd right does not start with wd but so if you look underneath the sticker there's like another plain white sticker yeah and then if you, look, for your if you look under that sticker, <laughs> you see another sticker. <laughs> and that sticker looks, that looks an familiar. awful lot like, here, Ken. So looks now an there's awful an lot like this, this drive right here. If the so when, when Sebastian ripped that off, did the drive say, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you darn kids? 
when you're pissed, you sweaty. You had to pull that second label back, oh. didn't you? You just had so to. So we did a quick perf check. Alan with his drive here and uh, Sebastian with his drive out in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Uh, and the performance is, is where you would expect it to be. It's pretty much close pretty to identical. Pretty much the same, yeah. Uh, I do like, by the way, that uh, on these graphs, it's 8,001, lowercase g, uppercase b, uh, in the capacities yeah, yeah, of the yeah. drives. I don't know why. Um, so... The, essentially, what's interesting about this is that the HGST drive is a 7200 RPM, 8 terabyte helium filled drive. Right, so it outperforms the red. The WD red is a 5400 RPM, mm-hmm. 8 terabyte helium filled drive. Uh-huh. So the HGST drive is faster it than is. the red. Yeah. And as of today, depending on you know which model, which actual drive you get, yeah. you could buy. Of my book, eight terabyte for two hundred forty nine bucks. Take it apart and have a hard drive that sells on Amazon for four hundred forty dollars or something like that. That's the true. HGST drive sells for four hundred forty yeah, bucks. That's what an HE eight sells for. So you can do that today. You could go buy four of them. No, you and- can't. You gotta go with friends. You can only buy three. For you can only month. buy three at a time. Oh, yeah. Limit, <laughs> yeah. limit See, three we, per. We, now we don't purchase. know. We, we we were looking like because we think we've been a Best Buy for a while. We looked on Amazon yeah. and realized that they had only come on Amazon recently. It's like the beginning of March. Yeah. Yeah. So it's possible that maybe it was like a first batch thing that went to. No, I think you know, I think it's clearly that right. So the first waves of them will have the HGST probably, and then sure. when when the stock had caught up, they will probably put standard reds in there that are running at the slower RPM because yeah. it's rated at fifty four hundred RPM. It's rated at the performance of the slower drive. Oh yeah, it's at least going to go that fast. Yeah. So yeah. did they detune these HGST? So well, if you. Doesn't now we don't like have, we don't have a lot of performance data because we had Sebastian on one and me on the other. But I did notice that the access time is a little bit longer on his. Okay. So it was 14 milliseconds versus 13.3 as reported by HD Tune at least. Yeah. Um. So, it, but it like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to develop another firmware for this product that probably won't be in this won't be like very this long. weird. Yeah. yeah that's I mean, kind of wasted holdover I mean, product. There, there is that, but this could be like some kind of binning. Like maybe the seek time couldn't be that fast and have it be accurate or something maybe. for some of the HE8s, and so they just bin them down. In other words, you have to realize that you know, don't think you're going to go to Best Buy and buy eight of these and have actual 100% identical to HE8 drives. You know I, mean? I don't know. They, I think I might maybe be not, but I think it'd be close enough for most people. Oh I, yeah. I think the bigger concern is eventually you're going to buy one of these for two hundred fifty dollars, rip open the casing, and it's not going to be the HGST model. Also, it will be a different true. drive that runs at fifty four hundred, and so you have to worry about that. Yeah. Yep. But, but what's the perf difference between the two drives? It's pretty small. Right? It's it will. But the, keep in mind that no, even place, even even if the, even if you bought one that was a, a standard WD Red instead of the HGST HE eight. It's still 250 versus 330. Yeah. So you're still technically would be getting it for less than they're selling them today. It's just, are, are you getting it a discount from 330 or are you getting a discount from 440? That's true. Right? Yeah. So as long as the, and this is, we've seen this before where the external version is the same or lower price than the internal version of a we drive and it, and it just drives me nuts. Yeah. I think part of it is they just like they don't want somebody, if, for, especially for a high capacity model like this, they don't want somebody looking at a box on a shelf in a store and just balking at the number of dollars, right? Because it's kind of a high number, right? Like, it, talking about the external drive? Yeah, I mean, you know, what if it was the same people would do that to an internal drive? Uh, I guess. I, I mean, it, it's, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. But uh, there are business reasons, obviously, that it happens. Business, business, business. Also. Business. When you do this, you have no warranty on the drive anymore. Yeah, that's true too. That is a big thing. 
Yeah, that's true. You, you won't have avoid any if, if the drive dies have. in six months, you won't be able to send it back. Yeah. I mean, what if you peel the sticker off though? I I assume there's I assume there's a sticker <laughs> that Sebastian had to uh, disassemble. I, I, don't, I don't think he did have to. Really? I don't think he had mm. to. So in theory, you could yeah. put it back in the housing. And yeah, no, he used a spudger and said it was really easy to get in and out. Mm-hmm. Huh. So yeah, it'd probably look just fine. There you go. So uh, something else to consider just before you like look at this, if you're trying to price these things out or whatever, uh, there is another way that you might actually get reds. In this case, they would be real reds for cheaper than they are listing individually, and that is if you got like a MyBook Duo. And uh, MyBook Duos, I believe it's at least Duos and some of the other models. Uh, their branding specifically says that they have reds in them, like it's on the box. Okay. And not only that, but those, the user can pop open the lid and change drives. Right. Like it's meant to be user drive replaceable, right? Oh, uh, okay. So they would kind of get crapped on if they put something yeah. else in there and yeah. that was said, you know, the box says there's that's, reds that's in true. here, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, and we saw those, I think, Ken, did you find those for 600 right? Yeah, you can buy the 16 terabyte MyBook Duo for 600 bucks yeah. right now. So if you get that, you're saving 70 bucks. Or eighty, or you know whatever. whatever. Yeah. But, you know, for if you're you're, looking you're for two, right? Hundred bucks at that point because they're, they're going for like three forty. Wonder if they have the HGST. Yeah. So so you're saving close to hundred bucks, and you're getting a RAID capable dual drive external enclosure. Right. 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 That even if you just wanted the drives, you, you could have just the like enclosure for another could, purpose. You, if you, you could probably yeah, resell yeah. the enclosure even and just put something else in it. Right. Right. Um, and you're still getting the drives cheaper that way. So I think Western Digital is trying to work out like what's the deal with why people are pricing our individual drive this high, but I think it's really just a matter of, you know, they're brand new, they're just at the market, and yeah, people are just we'll gouging see. a little bit. Yeah, I, they have you know. more control over pricing than, than they might lead you to believe. Uh, so that was our interesting day with uh, with hard drives. Real quick, yeah. uh, Sebastian posted a review of the Cry, Cryo-Rig, not Cry-Ridge. cry Orridge. Uh, I'm going to go with CryoRig C7 oh. Ultra Compact CPU Cooler. So this is one of these guys. 47 millimeters tall, footprint close in size to that of an Intel stock cooler. Um, there it is with a micrometer showing you the, uh, the the total size with the fan. Um, so what is it? 90 100 watt TDP. Yeah, that's pretty impressive um, for the the uh, small stature, if you will. Of the chassis, I think I actually think I like the design. The way the heat pipes kind of go through the fins, and they're kind of uh, like perforated out of it. I don't know. Um, insulation seemed easy, uh, at least for Sebastian. Maybe not for me. Um, performance, yeah. So the it's just got studs that go straight through, and it's got nuts on the other end that you just screw down. It's that's as simple as it gets. Good for small form factor PCs if you've got mini ITX builds uh, that you that you're looking for a cooler. Um, what did this one cost? What did uh, let's see? There's noise, fairly low noise levels. Twenty nine bucks, twenty nine ninety nine. That's pretty good. Uh, it's the same price as the uh, Cooler Master Hyper Two Twelve Evo that I use. It is way, way, way taller than this. Would not work in the same system, obviously. Uh, but uh, Sebastian notes weaknesses none at this price. <laughs> so there you go. And I kind of like the the white fan and styling on it as well. So that's the Cryo Ridge C7 Ultra Compact CPU cooler. I guess that's where we'll that's where we'll end it. Okay, uh, we got a couple of news items here before we get to our picks of the week. Um, 
We haven't. Really, Alan and I have really much talked the whole time, so I'm going to make uh, Jeremy tell me about the Logitech. No, not Jeremy. No, no. We, we oh. I'm sort of back. You're here. I hear you, sort Jeremy. Of? I didn't he's, know we'd lost you. He's fuzzy, but he's here. Did we lose Josh too? It, it, it's, yeah. It's Skype. Skype did a thing. Skype did a thing with a thing. Skype. Skyped. Oh, hold on. Volume. Volume check. Uh oh. All right, Josh, oh, are you there? I, I'm here. What happened? There we go. I don't know. You sound fantastic to me. It's because the video's you. not running. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> I got a nice John Deere ad where Josh yeah. is supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> if, if I th- when I think Josh, I think John Deere. In yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Green, yellow behind the ears. Rugged. Chomps on a lot of grass. Yeah. Yep. It's not how fast you mow. It's how well you mow fast. It's it's how wide your deck is. Uh, that's that's yeah. It's the it's the width. It's the girth you of your more deck. Done in less time. It is. It's the girth of your deck. About yep. how you mow. Like a soup can. Jeremy, why don't you tell me about? Um, can you tell me anything about these new Logitech Orion G610 keyboards at all? Oh, yeah. They're uh, brought to you uh, in the helps of the company, which is now known as Cherry Americas LLC, because they changed their name for some reason today. Nice. <laughs> you, you might guess from the names, it comes in an MX Brown and an MX Red uh, type switch. And they, they sort of opted for a little bit less expensive. These guys go for about 120 which is pretty decent for a mechanical keyboard right now. Yeah. And it's because it's got a white LED back. These aren't RGB keys. Mm-hmm. So you can still individually adjust the brightness on every single one of the keys. Oh, really? Okay. You're not going to get the white show that you might want. Then again, I'm of the opinion of I can't imagine why I would really want that. But <laughs> if you do, you do. Enjoy it. Yep. Uh, apart from that, uh, they're the full 10 key models. Uh, they seem to have jumped on this new bandwagon where nobody ships wrist rests with their keyboards anymore. Like the last couple that I've seen review, there was no wrist rest. And usually, like in my case, I'm glad it comes with one and I immediately throw it out because I don't want one. There's a lot of people that do and that aren't going to go out there and buy their own little uh, funky little gel one. So if that's a really big thing to you, this might be a little bit of a bad thing. But apart from that, it's just uh, a nice way of getting uh, Cherry uh, switches when you like Logitech keyboards. It, yeah, it's it's actually the same uh, physical design as the G810 keyboard, yep. which was uh, the one I looked at a little while ago that had their Omron... Romer G key switches on them, and they just basically said we've had a lot of requests for this. You know, our keyboard designs with cherry switches, um, which it's been a while since they've done that. What was like? Remember which one that was? Ken's like the seven ten or something a long time ago. That it was, was a while ago. They still sell one. They still have it, um, but so they released the G six ten in both brown and red. Those are apparently the two most requested cherry uh, key styles. Um, so if you liked the form, like I liked the form factor of the 810 quite a bit, uh, but now you, if you have a preference for a cherry switch over uh, what Logitech has built with the Omron switches, you can get that now as well. Um, so that's that. Uh, that's that's all we have to say. Uh, this was an interesting little news story. I'm curious what your opinion is on this, uh, this Josh. So we've talked about we talked about our vr builds that we were discussing a little bit ago um uh and kind of like their minimum requirements of being a gtx 970 or an r9 290 slash 390 um 
apparently Valve is targeting lower price system GP, systems and GPUs for VR. Um, at a talk at GDC, uh, a, a person from Valve, whose name I'm looking for here, Alex Vlakos, Vlakos, sorry, uh, has other plans that might enable graphics cards as far back as 2012 to work in Valve's VR ecosystem. Did you did you read any of this and, ta- and see like what the kind of like interesting ideas they had for how to shoehorn these guys in was? No. No. Well, no. let me ask you about them. So, okay, why don't we? So, uh, one of them was they said, "Hey, uh, as long as the GPU can hit 45 hertz, we want people to be able to run in VR." We've recommended the spec as 970, same as Oculus, but we want to do want lesser GPUs to work. If you hit 45, you can't just frame double and make VR better. You'd have to actually do frame interpolation between one to the other, wouldn't you? In some degree. I'm trying to think, and I mean, if if the goal is to get 90 frames per second. Because you need smooth motion. If yeah, you just but who's going to do the, the, the interpolation between A and B? So you got frame A, frame yeah, B. I don't know. And you want to smooth it out. So you've got you know the 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 sum of, of the two frames in the middle to give you you know kind of a a smoother experience. But it's going to depend on the application because so you're in the game and you're looking around. And if you're at 40 frames, frames per second, it's going to be notchy. It's oh, yeah. going to get sick. But if you're sitting there watching some VR program and you're laying back and you're just kind of looking back and forth at the screen, so it's got, let's say, like with the uh, the what the Samsung Theater, mm-hmm. where it has mm-hmm. like the, the movie curtains on the side and it looks like you're looking at a cinema screen. Something like that would be a little bit better, even though you're then kind of dealing with, you know, 24 frames per second running at 45 hertz. That right. that could be problematic, but <laughs> there, are, there yeah. are certainly ways around some of these things. So what about, to- they, they, he mentions uh, adaptive quality, which is something we first saw mentioned when SteamVR, uh, that SteamVR performance test came out. The idea of adaptive quality uh, would allow a game to lower image, lower the image quality dynamically, uh, based on hardware performance, but might also include something called fixed foveated rendering. So dynamic quality is an interesting idea, or adaptive quality is an interesting idea. Um, well, and that's not really new because, uh, say, for instance, Dirt Rally. They, you know, it was designed for PC, runs well on there. It's It's got really good-looking uh, graphics. They put it on PS4. It runs at 60 hertz mm-hmm. at 1080 but on the Xbox One, it, it it can't do that. It has to drop down to 900p to be able to keep your 60 hertz. So I wonder if that's kind of what they're planning on here, is that you're going to get some real chunk downs in quality to be able to keep performance up there. And Does it, Dirt Rally do that kind of like in real time, like yes. as the game is playing? Okay, okay. Yep, yep. There are certain parts that, I mean, in... As soon as it hits a, a point in, in frames per second, it'll drop down to 900p yeah. versus a full 1080. The slide, just to keep- the slide that they show for adaptive quality examples, right? Not something they've actually implemented. It's pretty interesting, right? So they show like quality levels up and down, where the default level of zero is 1512 by 1680. That's um, a normal resolution. Well, for VR, you know, it's you know, it might be. But they talk about, <clears throat> hey, you know, if if you decide that you need to step down. 
two steps, you're going to go to 0.81 resolution scale. And if you go down four steps, you're going down to 0.65 resolution scale, but also radial density masking, which I don't know what that is, is enabled. What would radial density masking be? Kind sure. of just rendering in the middle of the screen and, and fading out more. Maybe that's just from a different there. name for it, I guess. But you could also go the other way, right? So I, I guess I don't know what complication there is in integrating kind of a, a dynamic render resolution in a game engine. I'm guessing that a lot of modern ones kind of have support for that in there. Um, and then they do upsampling, downsampling, you know, to the actual resolution of the screen. You know, we saw that with Battlefield 4, right? In Battlefield 4 settings, you can set a render resolution at 100% or 150 or 200% or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually go down as well. And so it's rendering internally at a different resolution than it's actually displaying on the screen. I mean, that, that seems like an easy way to do that. Maybe not an easy way, but a way to do that. Um, and then they also mentioned the fixed foveated rendering, uh, which is where only the center of the image is rendered at a maximum detail, while the surrounding image runs at lower quality theory, bearing that you are only focused on the center of the screen anyway. Um, How long do you think we're going to hear the term foveated rendering until we actually see it? Uh, I don't think very long. Really? Because we've been hearing it for quite a while. It's like people keep thinking of like, oh, no, foveated rendering will fix a lot of this stuff. Yeah. It'll make it way less compute intensive. So th- he mentions fixed foveated rendering, which is which is the non-dynamic, like, yeah. center of the screen rendered high res fade out from there. And that was actually a discussion I had with somebody at GDC as well about that that tech. And he was referring to the eye-tracking-based foveated rendering, right, where a camera inside a head unit is actually looking at your eyes, sees where you're looking, and wherever you're looking gets rendered at a higher resolution, Mm -hmm. and everything in the periphery gets gets down rendered. But that obviously has to be, it's very expensive to do quickly in real time, and then integrate into a game engine to do that as well. It also makes sense, though, because that's mostly how the eyes work, is we've got very limited high-def vision. Yeah, but that kind (laughs) of offsets the savings and performance that uh, you're getting with (laughs) the foveated rendering because you start switching around your your uh, your eye at, at, at 15 times time. a second it's not really off pretty common rendering, and, is yeah yeah it's I, I would imagine that they that the trade-off has to be valuable for them because i think that's the direction they're going right is variable foveated rendering and you could get like extreme levels of detail in the middle where you want it or need it yeah um, yeah, but every time, in that case, every time you move your eye, you would essentially have to re-render the screen. You have to re-render the sure, entire scene but the, because like you have the, to render a different area. Sure, the eye. content's already in the frame buffer, but like the textures and all the data and the geometry can exist in in memory, but not be rendered at the same resolution, right? So it's, it's, it'd be like applying 100% to the center and 70% to everywhere around it. As long as you can do that quickly, like the the transition at least, I don't... I don't see why it would be a, a big hiccup rendering-wise, Josh. Do you, do you disagree? It depends on the software because <clears throat> how well that is running is going to depend on how it, it can change kind of the, the focus on the scene. And that's going to be a lot of different memory accesses. It's It's almost... Going back to the bilinear, trilinear type stuff where you've got mip maps of any texture, but you're thinking this entire scene versus a texture. So I've got to have – are you going to pre-render these, these higher definition areas and save that in memory? And then it's just – I couldn't tell you. It's a lot of questions yeah. in there. 
and it's it's unless you have a really clever algorithm it seems tougher to have a roaming focus in a scene rather than sure. trying I, to keep that focus right in the middle i think they have time to figure that part out because the cost of a inward facing camera on an hmd that does accurate eye tracking very quickly Starbreeze is still VR, further man. away um you know talking in the 50,000 range for some of that stuff. Star VR, man. No. They claim it. No. Hey, what about those guys that, uh, you know, on the MSI laptop? Uh, so that was Toby, T-O-B-I-I. And they, they had a camera uh, that either sits on top of your monitor or on the, the bottom of your laptop screen. And it worked really well. Um, I don't know if it's fast enough for dynamic rendering, res- dynamic resolution rendering, Um but it worked but quick if it's enough faster for me to use. than Doom, not Doom, but Rage. Sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> when switching to a different area. Uh, I would imagine having this occur in a VR headset would be much more disconcerting uh, if where you look takes a split second to render into full resolution. Yeah, that's uh, that, where you're going to need a bucket on Monday. That could be that could be a problem. Um, so, but either way, so it's interesting to see some of these ideas. Uh, it's similar to like what Nvidia's multi-res shading is. They introduced with their VR works, VR game work, game works VR, whatever stuff they call it, where it's rendering the center of the image at a different resolution, that it kind of warps the outside to to lower the effective resolution there. Um, but uh, the Valve developer doing this talk says that he could run the aperture um, VR experience thing that they did uh, a while back on a 680 without dropping frames at a lower quality and for me that's enough of a proof of concept so they're definitely going down that that direction which i think will be good right this the, all those Ab- methods absolutely because it widens out your user base mm-hmm. uh, hey hey can i can do vr with my five-year-old three-year-old computer without yeah. having to you know go into your 900 1500 pc perspective uh, VR builds and uh, get some that's really beefy. Don't listen to this, David Hewlett. Don't use older products. Just be happy with what you got. I mean, I, I, the, but there's time, another added benefit. What's that? You have more money to spend on Steam. Well, that's true for them. Yeah, <laughs> but that's probably what they're looking at. Is we don't wish want to sell you the hardware. We need to sell you the software too. And so if we can get that's it acceptable, the uh, yeah point. Yeah. What are you gonna say, Ken? By the time they implement this, though, like. It, it's a six hundred dollar headset. By the time they like people who are buying the stuff are on the fast track, it probably won't get substantially cheaper in the next couple of years. It'll probably stay around the With same. The headsets, sort of, you mean? Yeah, HMDs eh. will probably say four to six hundred dollars. Probably Maybe. doesn't matter that range. Like, I don't really know how many people this benefits. You, like buying a five hundred dollar add on. That's true. When you have a six eighty, seems a bit lopsided. My, my biggest, my only concern from it was, I, I hope. What I w- so people people were kind of complaining and concerned, and I understand the part about hey, you have to upgrade your PC to support VR. You know, you have to have a 970. It's a significant performance increase over like minimum specs for a lot of other games. I was kind of looking forward to the hard cut, like hey, this is where we're starting. If right. you start to look backwards too much, I fear that, um, like I say in this. Uh, uh, Vlacho said in his talk that, quote, most art we're seeing in VR isn't as dense as other PC titles, right? So it's saying that because um, it's a lot of artistic design that goes into VR in order to minimize the uh, GPU workload, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing that people are already doing today. If we start to encompass older products, older systems, older hardware, 
it will extend that necessity for developers to remain in a we have to do something artistic or change our design philosophy because we have to encompass older hardware um, where I was kind of looking forward to a here's the stopping point here's the here's the cutoff right so everything that supports VR from today forward on a PC will be faster than it is today and because of that um, we would get away from the idea of oh we have to reduce destructibility in a VR environment because of performance concerns, right? Where people will be able to look forward to, okay, higher end stuff. We can get games in VR that try to hit the same realism level that we see in PC games like Rise of the Tomb Raider, yeah. right? While still being hit 90 frames per second. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that transgresses, trans, we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, your thesaurus is it, it may, yeah, I know. It may just be too late for this to really matter. In the immediate, unless unless this is something that comes out like in five months, I don't know what the benefit is necessarily uh, for the for the community, right? Because like in five six months, when new GPUs from AMD and Nvidia come out, the nine seventy nine eighties, two nineties, three nineties are now the old cards. They're the six eighties, yeah, right. And so let's just leave it where it was. <laughs> I don't know. Unless they're trying, maybe this is a big push by Intel to help get VR on Ultrabooks or two at once. Speaking of Intel. Speaking of Intel, uh, gone is the TikTok. In is the tic tac toe, as people keep telling me in the, uh, in the <laughs> comments here. Knick knack, paddy whack. That's good uh, too. Yeah, damn it, I was going to say that. You got it stolen. Tic tac, paddy whack. Yeah, I took the dog's bone. So you, Intel huh. in a K, in a uh, K, 10, 10K? K10. K10 filing uh, uh, quotes says we expect to lengthen the amount of time we utilize our 14 nanometer and our next generation 10 nanometer process technologies further optimizing our products and process technologies while meeting the yearly market cadence for product introductions which essentially means this shit is hard it's it's (laughs) really hard and as it turns out we spent, a, sucks. we spent a lot of money building 14. We spent a lot of money developing 10. And we're going to use those a little bit longer uh, instead of two years at a so time. So essentially, in, until hit 2012 that everybody else did. Yeah. So you had 28 nanometer. Then it was released. It was the hot new thing for graphics. And, uh, you know, AMD had their 32 nanometer PDSOI. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, we stayed with those technologies for a long, long time. So what do you think? They, they, they throw billions out to, yeah. to make this stuff work. Billions. So what do you nobody think? Else the, has. So essentially what this means is uh, the cadences we have had of like, hey, uh, TikTok, Sandy Bridge, then Ivy Bridge, then yeah. Haswell, then Broadwell, then Skylake, then nothing. We'll go to Cabby Lake, right? (laughs) So, like, the cadence of that that started basically a decade ago is going to end. What repercussions do you think this will have on the processors that we all get to deal with in the next five years or so? Oh, AMD will obviously take, like, 99% of the market share. AMD will probably take it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's obvious. Intel is done. They've screwed up. They're they're, they're just over. (laughs) Throw in the towel, guys. Sorry. I think it's going to so, seem... It was a good run. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Okay. If you were still running an i7-2600K, would you be happy with its performance? Probably, yes. Yeah. <laughs> How big of a difference is going to be? Where it's going to hurt 
is going to be the bean counters in Intel because they've been able to squeeze the performance of these higher-end chips into smaller and smaller die sizes, but we haven't really seen a massive increase in overall performance. Yes, from Sandy Bridge to the latest uh, Sky Lake. Skywall? Sky Lake. Sky Lake. Skywall. Is about, what, 15% improvement per clock on a good day? Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's over... Six years, five yeah. years. No, we did the we did the twenty six hundred K to the sixty seven hundred K in our review, and it was about thirty percent, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. from Skylake or from Sandy Bridge to Skylake. Yeah. Yes, okay. It was, it, was, like, it was like wasn't it, it was like about, wasn't it like five, five to eight? Yeah, five to eight every percent every generation. Yeah. Okay, and I would, and I would yeah. agree with you, especially on the desktop side. Um, but let me ask you this: if you had a mobile processor in your laptop from two thousand and eleven. That's, versus that's a mobile a huge processor. Deal. There's a huge difference in here. from that for the power and I, savings. And I would say that that yearly cadence of TikTok was became like in the first five years it was more important for desktop processors, and in the second five years it was more important to mobile processors. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't but, have that, that has to stall again. Right. Well, but not really because I mean the, your biggest mobile consumer are businesses. I mean, yeah, you do still make a lot of the consumer notebook uh, market, and the, sure. the the profit margin is significantly higher. But for sheer volume, it's business, and most businesses are on a three-year upgrade scale, mm-hmm. I, like plus or minus a year, depending on where you're working. So, if you're only changing to a point where it's yeah. actually worth an upgrade every two and a half, three and a half years, you're not going to lose a single customer. You're not going to lose customers, but the consumer will lose on the benefits of technology uh, progressing forward, right? So the, and you've seen how accepting our commenters the, are when we do a review of a gaming laptop. Yeah. Well, the, the amount of uh, difference you would see in that three-year cycle will, in theory, be less than we will see in the next three years. I, yeah. I'd argue that's already kind of slowed down. If you compare a Broadwell mobile 15-watt uh, i5 to a Skylake, it's not... But performance-wise, but what about performance per watt? Like, that's what you're measuring mobile on. Yeah, like, I don't how think, much better is, is a Skylake version of this laptop hey, let's, versus let's, a Let's I throw another Sabo into, uh, into the gears. Yeah. And uh, what if this is not something that they planned on, I don't but think it is. just the physics of the process technology that they couldn't increase performance, but they c- could increase the, the efficiency? And so they're like, well, let's put our focus over here because be that's fair. where the physics yeah. no, I, is going to take us. I don't think this is a business-only decision. There's probably a business segment of it, but I think a lot of the decision is on uh, – uh, like technologically, this is how much we would have to spend fifty percent more to get beyond ten than we took to get ten than we took to get to, to fourteen, right? right? And so it makes no financial sense to push it, especially especially when your competition in the market is minimal, right? So what benefit does it have for them to spend fifty percent more on process technology development? Yeah. Unless they know they're going to see or they need to do it from a, from a competitive standpoint. Oh, they're 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 milking it dry because uh, <laughs> again, if we if we take a look back at the pre K six K seven years and what yep. Intel's roadmap was there, yep. it was extremely conservative, extremely conservative, and that's kind of what we've seen because they have no real competition. I mean, I I hate to say this AMD, but 
you you've been playing second fiddle and and decreasing your market share for the past six years, sure, seven years, yeah. And uh, you know, until we see Zen, we have no idea what a little different thinking can do to motivate and tell to do something interesting again, like what Pentium Four to Core Two. Do but yeah, competition is wonderful, and we haven't had it. <sighs> Do we not think that, given another in, like another generation with the same architecture for once, that Intel will be able to find substantial improvements? Because right now with the TikTok cadence, it's sort of okay. We got two generations on this architecture. One of them's going to be a process shrink. Let's just kind of like it's probably not the most optimized it can be, right? Okay. Because they're on this twelve month cadence, and they ha- they only have twenty four months on a on a given architecture. And they're going to get substantial improvements because one of them is a process node shrink. Do we think, like, sort of how Maxwell or yeah, Maxwell was backported to 28 nanometers, and they found in Maxwell V2, they found the efficiency and everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, sure, that's possible. They just have to work harder at the architecture side because they don't have the process yeah. side to depend on. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so let's, let's throw this other thing out. So if Intel keeps with you know this kind of TikTok, except they're expended out years. What are all these other engineers going to be doing instead of redesigning these products? It's like, uh, you know, we're going to lay some of you guys off because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for you guys to do nothing. Yeah. And here's AMD is like, hey, you know, we could use some really good processor engineers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Sabbaticals, sabbaticals sound nice. A cup of technology. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a dramatic hindrance to it. I just, it's disappointing. But like, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. Like we, well, we, yeah, we saw the Cabulate Cabula- 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 rumors talked out. about this. Yeah, and, and and multiple times. Like you know, Moore's law is is it's broken. Eighteen months. Yeah, bah, that's out the window. A long time ago. What's Intel going to do? And, and we, you know, I remember eight months ago we were talking about this. And uh, I think we all kind of came to the consensus like things are lengthening out. Right. And so now they're making it official. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as soon as we saw Cabby Lake rumors, that's really what, what, where it all came from. Right. So, uh, okay. I was looking for a, a power consumption number that I don't think I'm going to be able to get. I was looking for a, let's see, uh, Early twenty fifth. That's Broadwell. Twenty thirteen XPS thirteen. No. 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 What's the one I have? Would be twenty fifteen. Yeah. Early twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. This battery test. I don't know how much I trust it, but it's identical between both machines. <laughs> I have both hard, both pieces of hardware. I can well, test myself. They're not equivalent specs. High res display on the Sky damn it, Dell on the Skylake one. Uh, okay, so that's the end of TikTok. We'll digest. And Cash uh, is going to be so disappointed. Yeah, she is going to be disappointed. You've been saving up for that joke? No. No? Oh. <laughs> All right, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week, guys. Um, the hardware pick I have is actually the camera that we are using for this shot mm-hmm. right now. This is the uh, not brand- this shot. Not, not that, this, this shot. one. This one. Yep. Not not this one. Not this one. No, but this not one. that one. This one. I wish I could see that shot, but I can't. Oh, 
Oh, nah, you don't worry about it. Oh, hey, thanks, Ken. And <laughs> so uh, our, I can see again this pick, this camera that we're using uh, to to use for this the stream, just because we we're t- testing out with it, is the new Sony Alpha A6300. Uh, it is a mirrorless digital camera, 16 to 50 lens. This is it's 1148 dollars uh, with this kit lens. Uh, it is a replaceable lens. What did we say? It was an E mount. Yeah, e-mount lens. Uh, the base price, I believe, is nine ninety nine. Yeah. So with the uh, with the lens, you pay one hundred fifty bucks for that. It's a pretty good lens. It's it's okay. It's decent. Um, so what's interesting about this camera is that it is a four uh, K video. It's a twenty four point two megapixel uh, sensor. Uh, world's fastest autofocus speed, which is nice. Quite fast. It is very fast. Internal four K thirty and 1080p one twenty recording. Uh, and it's very similar in capability to the A7S2, right? Am I mm-hmm. yeah. the A7S2, which is about so it's about three thousand dollar camera, right? Um, and so I was very intrigued because we liked the A7S2 a lot in terms of its video quality. When we took it to CES, it's low light capability. But well, that th- price, this is a third of the price. What can we get <laughs> for this? Uh, and it's really really good. There's some caveats yeah. to it, like. Mounting it to a tripod is kind of cumbersome. Um, like it's it's just it's not built to be a professional camera. Yeah. Right. And yep. you know that they did that on purpose. They're, you know it's it's supposed to be a consumer level camera. Um, like the memory card is in its dumb spot. It's in the battery bay. Uh, it doesn't the the thousand dollar camera doesn't come with an external battery charger. You have to plug it, charge it through USB in the while the battery's in the camera. Yep. Um, what else was kind of finicky about it? Like the record button for the video is like on place. the grip, yeah. where it's like almost impossible. You can't hit yeah, it with but, your thumb. Yeah, but on the A7S2, it was in a stupid spot, too. It was. I already said yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on the macro keys. Okay. There are two programmable macros. Oh, there's keys. programmable macros yeah. on it. Uh, and it, and it, it's, it's a good camera, and it takes excellent video. The low light is awesome. Um, when I first got this camera in, I was, uh, I was kind of walking around at night at the house and like taking a picture with the camera. Mm-hmm. Versus what I can see with my naked eye, and it's uh, really, really good. Like, mm-hmm. I t- take a picture of Emmeline while she was sleeping, and it was brighter than I could see in, in real life. Now, you know, you get a little bit of noise when you do that, but way better than any other low-light camera uh, that we've really uh, had before. Ken's running around back there, so I'm going to stall for a little bit while he figures out what he's trying to do. Um, <laughs> he's doing what something. What has he done? He looks, he's got a... He's got something. I don't know what he's got. What he's doing? I, I need to plug this camera in. He needs to plug the camera in. Okay. That you can What's talk about that. Plug getting it into. So the battery. Oh, our oh. battery is going to die, even though it's plugged into USB. No, it's not. Oh, so the battery life on these cameras is very low. Actually, wait. So that lasted the whole podcast. It's at nine percent. Yeah, that's probably fine then. But no. so it's not been plugged in, and it's been going for over an hour. Yeah. yeah. That's has, has it been recording though? Yeah, but it's been processing it's only 4K. Been, no. It's going out the HDMI port. It's going out the HDMI port at 1080i. 1080p. 1080p. Oh, okay. 30. Yeah, and it's and I'm imagining the recording and the compressing is probably a lot of the compute capability. Oh Uh-oh. yeah. Are you were you were oh, you? Oh my god. <laughs> oh no, we all went dark. Were I you can recording see in 4K clearly now? To the card? I wasn't recording. Oh okay. I just said that like a hundred times. Sorry. Um. So I don't I don't know. Let's uh, switch to there. Oh oh, what's Whoa. that? Oh, oh we, it zoomed out because it, it turned out and turned back on. Now look at our lights. Oh, lights! Uh, let's finish. You want to finish the show quickly? Hey, it's kind of like in VR. Wah, wah, we have to finish the show quickly. Uh, all right, so that's mine. Uh, Alan, what do you got? No, wait, no. Jeremy, what do you got? Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> hurry, Jeremy, hurry. 
Oh, very quickly. Uh, remember all of those wonderful NES games? Well, I now do. you can have them all in an NES controller. That's awesome. Uh, it's a project I spotted on Hackaday, which just amuses the hell out of me because one of the fun things about projects is trying to figure out what to put it in. Well, right. let's put it in an NES controller. It's a Raspberry Pi-based uh, ROM player. <laughs> it's got a light bulb awesome. battery in it. And it's set to do with uh, Adafruit Boost Charger. So literally all you need is the HDMI out to a TV and you're playing whatever the hell old school Nintendo Entertainment System game you want to play. It's NES with HDMI out. And look, they even yeah. have the 3D printable uh, uh, Yeah, if you don't happen to have one kicking around. Or it doesn't work. Nice. He does suggest That's you check to see if that one good. you've had in the closet for 15 years actually does still work. Yeah, before yeah. you go through all the trouble of building it. That's, but still, that's it, pretty, it's just a neat little thing for a ROM. That's On to you, Josh, impressive. before like, everything dies. Sound no, to me. Uh, so uh, we were discussing a few things at work, and uh, it'd be nice if, you know, a NAS would uh, communicate with, like, Google Drive and other things. Well, it happens. Uh, Synology, their uh, DSM 5.2 and above, supports this functionality. So this is really nice. Anybody who has an older a Synology box or brought a new one, Update that firmware, and uh, you have instant backups. If you have that ability, or uh, for like my company, we have unlimited Google Drive space. And so we have like 10 terabytes of of bat data. Yes, bat data that we need to get back and in a central place. And so we're going to put it on one of these NASes probably and Word. connect that to G Drive and Backupify. Backupify. And we've got three levels and, for and, cheap. And if you have a Synology NAS, you should always be uh, updating that, yes. know, that software on it constantly because there's, you know, Every random. day is updating. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's just like you Every know, day ex- exploits updating. come out, like CryptoLocker and stuff. You don't, want, you don't want your NAS, like, all crypto-locked. That'd be bad. No, we don't. No, that would be bad. All right, yeah. Alan. So it's nice functionality, oh, free if you go for it. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, if you happen to have been like into like checking out PC demos back when there was a demo, remember demos? Yes, I remember demos. Yeah, some people might not. Some, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, there was this uh, second reality demo back in 93 or 92. It came out. Yeah, that was the precursor to final reality. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... It was an amazing demo because it did some pretty crazy stuff. There's actually like ray tracing in there. There's like what? I mean, this was a point in time when you just couldn't have oh, like you know they did voxel stuff. There's actually oh, yeah. like water in there and like this is ninety two ninety three, right? There's still a bit of a walk so, in the uncanny valley. J- just yeah, I mean just the ability of you know like that's kind of a plasma ish kind of thing. Sure, like, sure, sure. I'm all, just all this stuff is all crammed into this one demo, and it, that was just unheard of back then. It, it was Ooh, that was like a right? PS1 booting. Look at those particles. Yeah. But it was just like that was impossible to do back then for that that quickly and that many of those things moving Look around. At those you know what I mean? Look that's at like, that that's environmental ray mapping. Yeah. So. Oh snap! Anyway, so really cool stuff. But the cooler part is that I found the video. Somebody took a home video, in that those guys. I remember Place. this one specifically. Well, that's in Final Reality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is definitely in Final Reality. Okay. So, um, so somebody took, was taking a video, it's actually the second link in the, in the notes, of those guys like as they were making it. So it's just like someone, you know, just toying around with an old, oh, the making with an video, old camcorder, see. right? And like, you know, the one guy's like working on the track for, for the demo, like right there. 
in the room. 1993. And you can see, yeah, you can see and them. they're right? all so baked. Look at them. They're baked. <laughs> What's Dude, funny is, so baked. Up the 93, the not internet. 63. If you watch that video and you, like, turn up the volume a little bit, you can hear all of the hard drives in that room spinning. Like, you can actually hear them. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell. Wow, it's a very wow, distinct wow, sound. Wow. Oh, look, steal their code. So, like, they, oh, no, it's open source now. Oh, okay. Yeah, they open sourced it, like, uh, 1998. In, in 2013, <laughs> they open sourced it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so like there's the guy like you know doing the scream tracker thing and like actually making the the Ooh, girly mags. Thing. Just kidding. No, that was their artwork. Like someone was drawing and like that's some of their artwork that appears in the demo is there. But just like it's just pretty cool that when that demo came out, of course nobody saw that video. Right. But it was like very influential at the time. I was like, holy crap, how are these guys? Why didn't doing they this? just watch the video on YouTube when it came Man, out? Man, half this video is credits. When did it come out on YouTube? I don't know when the. You no, know, like when the demo came out. Why didn't they just watch the video on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, so nice. really cool thing if you're a retro nostalgic kind of thing. Actually, here coming. is the final reality benchmark being run on a GeForce 680. <laughs> 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 oh wait, no. Remedy. Did it wrong. That's not it. Uh, anyway, what the f? Anyway, so that's your pick. Is there, is a demo that doesn't well, matter how much power? No, we got not left. the demo. They uh, we're down to four percent. You're done. <laughs> the pick is the video, the home video of them. I said you're done. It doesn't matter. Well, thank you everybody for hanging out. Uh, uh, this has been the PC Perspective Podcast. Run on a battery timer. Oh no. Um, PCPerspective.com/slash/podcast. Find all the back episodes. RSS. Uh, thanks to Braintree for their support of the episode. So you can support us by going to patreon.com slash pcper and seeing what other kind of crazy crap we can do. We'll see you next week. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. <laughs> uh, uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm Josh Walbreth. And I'm Alan Montana. Bye, everybody. Bye.